Hi everyone, my name is Sandy Edwards and you're listening to the Flourish Podcast. Hi everyone, I'm so excited to be back for this week's episode of the Flourish Podcast. And today I'm going to be dealing with a topic that God has been dealing with my heart about and just teaching me some more things on. And, you know, we can always grow deeper with God in our relationship with God like we never arrive. And I'm so thankful that as many times as I have read First Corinthians 13, one through seven, there are still things that God is revealing to me and uh, about him and the way that I should live my life. And I'm so thankful for that. If this is your first time tuning in to my podcast, welcome. My name is Sandy Edwards and I am a spiritual alignment strategist and mindset coach. And I help people discover purpose and break down um, belief systems, mindsets, all kinds of things that keep them from walking in their purpose. So thank you so much for listening. So let's just dig in here. I'm going to be coming from the context of first Corinthians 13 verse one through seven. And so I'm going to read it because I think it's important that we all understand where I'm coming from here before we dig into the discussion. So the title says, and I'm reading from the passion translation, love the motivation of our lives. First Corinthians 13 one. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, if I had the greatest gifts of of faith that I could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. And so I just want to dig deep into that. Each scripture, I just want to dig deep before I head into the discussion. So um, love the motivation of our lives. Let's talk about verse one. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. What that means is if the reason that I'm saying what I'm saying is not motivated by love, if the reason that I am doing what I'm doing is not motivated by the love of God overflowing from that relational place with the Lord. If the reason that I'm texting, sending out that text, whatever I'm sending is not motivated by the love of God. If the reason that I am saying what I'm saying, doing what I'm doing, my purpose, anything is not motivated in love. Whatever I have to say is reduced 
to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. That means that if I'm praying from a place of anger, if I'm praying to cause harm or believing things about people that are evil and plotting to do harm, then all of my words are reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And so for for many of us, we don't want to believe that the reason why our prayers are being hindered is because we're not being motivated by love when we pray. We're being motivated by how we feel and what we think and all of the influences of this world. Like there's a complete difference from going to God and kneeling at the feet of Jesus because you are offended and you need him to help you with that offense. And then there's the thing of going to God because you are offended. You're praying for God to teach that person a lesson to teach them how they should do this and to not talk to you like that and to not do these things. And I'm just saying like, if what we're saying is not motivated by the love of God, it is reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging symbol. And really ultimately that tells me that God is not receiving my prayers when I am full of bitterness. The first step to crossing that threshold is to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And we're going to get to that whole offense thing in a minute. But when I'm not motivated by love, all of the things that I have to say are reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than the claim you said, well, and to put it in relational terms, like think about a marching band. <laughs> you hear how loud those cymbals are. They're so loud. I mean, they are loud, especially when they're the only ones playing. Okay. They are super loud. And sometimes like your ears ring after that. And think about your words are being reduced to that sound to God. God's not hearing your voice when you are reduced to the sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. Whew. Talk about conviction. Second verse. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge. And if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but never learn to love, then I am nothing. That's the deep one right there. That's a deep one. Here's why. There are so many people who call themselves prophets. There are people who have the gift of prophecy, who understand like so many deep things about God and they are constantly releasing it and they have supernatural knowledge. They have the supernatural gift of healing, all of these things. And they are so good at it. So good at prophesying. So good at telling people what the Lord is saying. So good at having faith that can move mountains. And they are so good at empowering people. But if they don't, if we don't learn how to love, we're nothing, zero, 
not a nothing. So that tells you that gifts, that spiritual gifts do not take precedence over the love of God. Because a person who doesn't have um, any status in the, in the church, in the body of Christ, who's not a prophet. Like, listen at this comparison, what I'm about to say, okay? A person who's not a prophet that is still walking in the love of God, a person who's just a person who just serves in the church and um, they clean the bathrooms and all of these things, janitors, all of that, people who don't operate in the fivefold, you know, ministry, some people who are just, they're just servants of the house. They will be more recognized in the kingdom than a person who is a prophet that is not operating in love. Let me make it make sense. So say for instance, you have a, um, a, a host in a church and a prophet in a church. The prophet is very great at sharing words of knowledge, telling the people what the Lord is saying and giving all of these words of exhortation, all of the things. Okay. The prophet is very great at that. And this greeter greets people when they come in in the morning and is joyful and happy, excited to be at church. The prophet is too. Don't get me wrong. The prophet is too excited to be there, excited to share the word of the Lord, excited to tell people what the Lord is saying and to edify the body. The greeter is too. And so this greeter, I mean, they are the most loving person. You see it in everything that they do. You, you hear it in everything that they say. And you feel the love of God when they talk to you. And then this person who is the prophet of God gets up, shares all these messages. But your encounter with them behind, you know, when they get off of the pulpit is nasty. They don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to be relatable. They don't know how to um, love others well. That person, based upon 1 Corinthians 13, based upon 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, it all ties together. They may have just told the whole church what the Lord is saying for 2020 or the month of June. But their own prayers are being hindered because they don't know love. So them being a prophet means nothing. And this is part of why we shouldn't be fighting for titles in churches. This is part of why we shouldn't be arguing about who we are and our ranking in the kingdom. Because regardless Spiritual gifts do not take precedence over the love of God. And God is, when you get to heaven, God is not going to honor you for what you are to people and who you profess to be. We're going to be held accountable at the end of the day for how, for what we believe and how well we love people. And so um, let's dig into number three, because I, I feel God's wind on this. And if I were to be so generous 
as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. I know some very generous people. I'm one of them. And I know some that I also at at one point in my life, I was so wealthy that um, I was willing to give away everything I own to feed the poor. And I was willing to die for Jesus. Okay. (laughs) But my problem was I wasn't giving from that overflowing place of relationship with the Lord. What I was doing was trying to give, to be seen, to be noticed. I wasn't doing it because I love God or his people. I was doing it because I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be noticed. I wanted people to, uh, like making me feel like someone because I was so used to being rejected. I wanted someone to acknowledge me for what I could do for them. And again, they, they started looking to me as God. And the thing is, it was not motivated by love. I wasn't giving because I felt the Lord placing it upon my heart to give. I was giving because I wanted to be seen and that's pride And it made me feel good. It made my head blow up. And as a result, I lost everything, okay? Everything. And so it doesn't matter how generous we are even. It doesn't matter how wealthy we are and how much we donate to um, these funds and to missionaries and to all of these things. It doesn't matter. Because if it's not motivated by love, it has no worth. We would gain nothing of value. We gain nothing when we give from that place. Nothing. Moving on. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. So let's dig into verse four, because that's that right there. That will preach to the nations. Okay. (laughs) Love is large and incredibly patient. It is so hard. Like I know for me, and I'm just being real and transparent here. It is so hard for me with patience. Um, Like I have two kids, two incredible boys and my two year old who will be three in a few weeks. He has tested every part of my patience boundaries. I'm telling you, like he has tested every single part of patience that I have. (laughs) And I believe that God, you know, graces you to be a parent um, and stretches you with parenthood. He teaches you how to be patient by how you love your kids. I'm not kidding. If you want a real world experience with how patient you are, get around somebody's kids or babysit someone's kids or volunteer at a summer camp, work at a school, (laughs) you know, all those things. You will get firsthand experience with the Lord sharpening your patience levels. Um, So love is gentle and consistently kind to all. That kindness thing, like God is not playing about that. Um, and that gentleness thing, God is not playing about that while at the same time, like we, that doesn't mean that everything will feel good. That doesn't mean that everything someone says to you 
will will feel make you feel good. Sometimes things do have to cut through you and a part of God's gentleness, a part of his kindness manifesting through us is when we have to do that as well. All of it is rooted in love. God corrects us because he loves us. God will send people on assignment to correct us because he loves us. And that's a part of his gentleness. He's there after we've been corrected. When the wound is cut wide open, he is there to be gentle and kind to you and restore you. So let's dig into this one because I've been waiting to get to this. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. We all have those people in our lives that we see, or we have people at a distance that we watch when someone is doing really well. And when great things are happening for someone, um, we get jealous and we get bitter. And let's just be real. Like, Sometimes when our life is a mess and we look at someone whose life is prospering, it's hard sometimes to acknowledge the great things that God is doing in their lives without um, being offended because we feel like, well, I'm better than her or I'm better than him and I deserve that too. Why ain't I getting all of that treatment? Why isn't God doing these things for me? But we have to understand that there are times and seasons with things and Some people are in a season where God is causing them to soar. And then there are people who are in seasons where God is, you know, teaching them some things. He's um, refining them. He's having them walk through a fire. Like all of us are just at different seasons of our lives. And it's, it's not a thing of God is blessing someone more than me. It's more of we are all at different places in our relationship with the Lord. And we all will go through seasons where we will be tested. We will all go through seasons where God is trying to refine us and teach us some things. God is always teaching us things, but there are specific seasons that God will have us walk through that are catered to sharpening our faith. And so it's not a matter of God is blessing someone else more than me. It's more of, I understand because of my own relationship with the Lord that I am in a different season than this person. And it is okay to celebrate someone else because my season of God doing these very same things for me or even more or even different, however it applies, is coming. And so if I can be happy for my neighbor, if I can be happy for my friend, then the blessings of God If he can do it for them, he can do it for me too. Like we've heard that so many times. The blessings of God will come to my life. And the thing is, we have to stop leveling or trying to um, rank blessings of God. Sometimes the simplest thing to be thankful for is that you have breath in your body and that you are alive, that you are well, that you're not sick. Sometimes it's the blessing of God is also being thankful that you have a roof over your head. And for my friends who are listening to this, who are not married, being thankful that you have a single season to dedicate your life to doing everything that God called you to do right now without any distractions and falling in love with yourself. 
not looking at your friend who, who just got married, wondering why they got married before you when you are more better, you are better than them and you're good and this and da 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 da. It's no goodness of our own that we are saved. And it's no goodness of our own that blessings come to us. As children of God, we have an inheritance that is given to us whether we choose to accept it or not. It's just given because it comes with accepting that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day. There are certain blessings that are just attached to that belief system alone. And so what I'm saying is there is no reason to be jealous of people when you see them being blessed or God is increasing their life. God is increasing your life in a different way. So be thankful. Stop looking at other people trying to compare your life to theirs. God gave you your own life. God gave them their own life. So be thankful. Be thankful, not jealous. So. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. There is a major difference between, um, you know, sharing your accomplishments and then always trying to prove that you are better and that, that you are the elite and that God is only good to you (laughs) because everybody, you know, most of us, let's just be honest. We can't stand those kind of people. And it's okay to say that. I'm just being transparent here. We can't stand those kind of people. Everything always has to be about you. Everything always has to be about how well you do this and how well you do that. And it's like, make space for everyone. You're not the only important one. God has space for all of us at his table. And we all got positions and things that we're great at. And so while you're celebrating yourself, Find other ways to celebrate other people. That's what God would want you to do. You're not on an island by yourself. Other people exist in this world. Okay. So love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love does not traffic in shame. I want us to understand um, these things, like, because I know that there are so many women, especially who deal with shame. And whenever you are so used to being rejected by people, whenever you're so used to not being celebrated, um, whenever you're so used to life just dealing you hard things, you often go off the like rails into shame and disrespect. And then you start seeking your own honor, which is pride. And the reason that we do this is because we always feel like we have something to prove. We always feel like we have something to prove to other people. We always feel like we have something to say that is more important than someone else. We always want to try to show everyone that we living better, that we're healed, that we're this, that we're that. And God is just like, sis, bro, love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. And then when we feel like someone is challenging us, we, that pride starts rising up and we are quick to go at them with words or we're quick to try to outdo people. And God wants to deal with that because he wants us to get it right. He loves us. 
And so we should not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek our own honor just because we feel like someone is not giving us what we feel like we deserve. Baby, the only attention that you need, the only person you need to honor you is God. And if other people decide to honor you, then that's great. But let's get that right in our hearts. Let's stop um, living beneath the standard that God has called us to live because we feel entitled and God wants to deal with that. So it's I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> um, love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Real life story here. Um, there used to be a, a time in my life where. Everything that someone said to me would bother me. Everything that I felt like people were doing intentionally to me would bother me. And so as a result, (laughs) I would go off the rails and just find every way to tell them off. And I was so offended. And as I was sharing with a friend the other day, I said, you know, I don't think people see the real life thing that happens to you when you are offended. There was a time in my life where I was so offended that I went to sleep and God showed me a dream where it felt where I saw like the word offense shaped in the form of a hole that's at the end of a rope when like someone's about to tie something. The word offense was tied around my neck and I saw this demonic figure place it around my neck and pull me and bound like was literally tying me to the pit of hell. And I'll never forget. I woke up from that dream and repented. I fell to my knees and repented because when you are offended, there are blessings that are hindered from your life and not just blessings that are hindered from your life. I want you to understand this. There are certain things that you will never be able to receive if you do not let the offenses go. If you don't allow God to heal you, there are certain things that you will not be able to receive from God and that you will not be able to do effectively because you're bound. Like literally, I saw that image and it placed an impression on my heart to no matter what I do at the end of the day, to forgive people and to love them because when we are offended, the gospel cannot be preached. People cannot be reached. They can't know. They won't ever be able to see the reflection of Jesus in me. If I'm always bitter, if I'm always angry, if I'm always trying to find ways to prove myself to people. And so God is not playing about that offense thing. It binds you up. And so your prayers will be hindered. Everything you touch will be a mess as a result of you being offended and not giving into the call of God on your life, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so I, I just really pray for us to be unoffendable and I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. 
we should be a people who celebrate honesty and we shouldn't find a light in what is wrong. We should be a safe place for others to feel like they have a, a place to come and dwell with God because we are um, people who carry the love of God. And so people, especially who are not believers, should feel like they should be able to be in our company and be connected to something so powerful that brings them and compels them to come out of the lifestyle of sin. And it's not about being right. It's not about knowing everything. It's about being a safe place. Um, and, you know, it says love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. And that's first Corinthians thirteen seven. The reason we should be a safe place of shelter for people is because we shouldn't stop believing the best for them. We shouldn't stop wanting people to, to be saved. And we have to understand that that's our only responsibility. The one who saves is, is Jesus, not us. He lives in us. Yes, he can use us to lead people to him. But the only responsibility we have is to be a safe place for them. Everything else is up to God. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. So if you are in a place right now where you're being challenged by, you know, some of the things that I shared, I I really just pray that God will walk you through these scriptures and, and uh, deal with the areas of your heart because you cannot love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't understand these things, you can't celebrate others when you're offended. You can't celebrate other people when you have a hard time forgiving them. You can't even celebrate and honor yourself because you have a hard time loving others. And you won't even receive what God has to say for you. See, there's no way that you can give it to anyone else. And so I just pray that as um, I spoke during this podcast that, you know, God really begins to deal with us because as I shared on my Instagram the other day, like um, on my IG stories, like my only prayer during this time has been God search me and teach me, creating me a clean heart, Lord. Because without you, I'm nothing. Without your love, I'm nothing. And if I I can create all the courses and workshops and be an entrepreneur all day. But if nothing I do, if everything I do and say isn't motivated by your love or pouring from that place of overflowing relationship with you, it means nothing. And so thank you so much for listening to the Flourish podcast. And I can't wait to talk again about whatever God decides to release me to say next. So feel free to send me prayer requests to info at sandyedwards.co. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Flourish Podcast.